Welcome to another episode of the Your Brain Uncovered podcast, where we discuss science and science-based tools for everyday life. I'm Ayat Arabim. I'm a translational neuroscientist and a researcher at University College London. Also want to emphasize that this podcast is separate from my other roles. It's part of my desire to promote open science communication to the general public. Now, in keeping with this theme, part of our career series, I'd like to introduce you to today's guest, Dr. Patrick Arnott. He's the Business and Sales Development Director at Metabolon. As a Business Development Director for academia Mm -hmm. at Metabolon, you have extensive experience in accelerating academic research. So yeah, I'd really like to know, so does my audience, how is it that you have come to this career? And can you share a bit about your background um, to start off? Yeah, of course. So how I came about to this career, uh, well, I can honestly say the pandemic kind of accelerated things with the, uh, the sort of lack of uh, funding come through uh, and was sort of uh, forced out the door with uh, a failure, not a failure, but uh, the unwillingness from funding bodies to extend beyond the uh, beyond the time period that we had for the fellowship. So it was a nice link into into industry where I moved to, to Sartorius for a bit doing bioprocessing, um, but I was a lot more interested in more of a commercial scientific role. Um, so uh, this opportunity with Metabolon came up and they were looking for a, well, what the, the recruiter called me a, a five-legged sheep. Uh, I would prefer a unicorn. That's a much nicer way of describing it. But uh, yeah, they wanted somebody with an academic degree, somebody with a PhD, a fellowship, success in funding, and somebody with a business development experience, which I did uh, at Sartorius a little bit, but also during my PhD and my fellowship, we put up a few societies within UCL as well. Uh, with a, a global outreach innovation forum, um, and then also somebody with a bit of MBA experience as well. So it's uh, I, it was uh, yeah I was I was lucky I fitted the profile pretty well, and there was uh, not many other people to apply with similar background experience. So, but yeah, by chance I think I mean if I had the opportunity I would have loved to stay in research and uh, made my own research group, uh, but that is a very it's a very difficult thing. I remember when I started my PhD, we had a nice lecture and I think we were told like less than 0.25% of people go from a PhD into a, a tenured academic position. Uh, but there is a, a lot of nice other alternatives out there. So, I mean, I would never have imagined doing this 10 years ago, but mm-hmm. it's a very fun job and it's very interesting. And yeah, it's a nice in, in between of uh, science and business. So. You're sitting at the intersection and it seems like the position, uh, you're like a match made in heaven. <laughs> They've built the description nice off you, it. huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. And, um, well, if you were to reverse back time, would you ever have pursued the academic uh, route? Yeah, of course. I would have loved to pursue the academic route. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I was uh, getting to a point where I was living in London and having the prospect of not having a job. And that's quite terrifying with London rents. So, uh, yeah, no, so I just had to find something which was suitable. Um, a year and a bit job at Sartori is not quite exactly what I wanted, um, but it was a nice stepping stone. And I think that's a very nice way of putting it. Don't be scared to, to change ship to find something where you want to go. And I think with sort of my career goals and everything, um, I had an opportunity to do uh, go back down to a postdoc for my fellowship. Um, but I, I wanted to sort of explore a little bit more and uh, yeah, find something a bit more suitable, which also allowed me to sort of 
get to where I want to be within my personal life as well as my my career as well. If you were to tell someone that knows nothing about um, Metabolon, how would you introduce <clears> it? <throat> what do you guys do, and how do you? What's your mission exactly? Yeah. Okay. Um, so it really depends on what your background, how I would introduce Metabolon. But let's say we know absolutely nothing about Metabolon or Metabolomics. Uh, <laughs> first of all, the introduction to Metabolomics is what is that? It's sort of basically the, the bottom uh, of everything uh, mm -hmm. in terms of if we look at genomics, then you have your transcriptomics, then you have your proteomics. And then at the end of everything, you have Metabolomics. And it's a nice way of letting you understand how your small little metabolites interact with your host environment as well as your exogenous environment as well in terms of whatever you're putting into your body and or into your whatever metabolomic environment you have in terms of uh, maybe an animal or maybe a plant or example as well and how those external factors sort of come back and affect those internal factors and sort of what sort of gene regulation this might be triggering or, or causing uh, further developments of um, and it, what the company Metabolon has done is sort of taken that basic biochemistry and, and turned it into a, a a quantitative way to measure and understand uh, those small little metabolite interactions and uh, and basically uh, develop develop a way of measuring that biochemical interaction and uh, put a figure on it. So, and it's a very nice way we can do it with Metabolon in terms of building a very holistic overview with different types of panels of uh, global discovery, as well as then doing sort of targeted assays for sort of uh, clinical diagnostic development as well. Um, I've just seen a couple of uh, articles here and there about its potential applications and like precision mm -hmm. medicine and, you know, biomarker discovery. Uh, so from your perspective, what are some of the most exciting advances that are happening there? And um, yeah, would you think what, what kind of potential impact does that have on healthcare? Mm -hmm. um, no, it's, it's very interesting. And you're right, metabolomics is um, not underrated. It's just, it seems to have been less well publicized in the last 20 years. I mean, Metabolon was founded in 2000. Um, and I think the real aspects of metabolomics, biomarker discovery is one very big thing where we can do. Um, we're having the ability of having, we have such a comprehensive library of Metabolon of, uh, of, of in-house uh, compounds where we can really give you that tier one, tier two matching of metabolites uh, in your mass spec readout. And having that aspect to look at things on a holistic scale, it really allows you to to do that large biomarker discovery. Um, and also, it's applicable to pretty much any technology. We're doing things from human health to agriculture to veterinarian health, uh, all the way through to bioprocessing as well. Um, personally, where I think it could be a really big impact. I mean, bioprocessing is a fantastic place. It gives you a really nice way, maybe a bit of a biased background, but it really allows you a, a nice way to understand that full metabolomic profile within your media and within your cells as well, or within um, yeah, whatever you're growing, whether it be your karyotic or prokaryotic cells. It really allows you to have a full understanding of the health of your individual cell, as well as what the, the matrix outside is behaving like as well. And it can give you a very nice starting point for your sort of DOE and uh, QBD work in terms of that bioprocessing. But also with human health clinical trials, we're finding a lot of people who are looking at metabolomics for repurposing traditionally failed drugs in, in phase two or phase three clinical trials um, because they were looking at traditional methods of uh, of, of uh, drug discovery and uh, looking at efficacy with those specific routes, but with sort of the large holistic flu view of the metabolomics, you can really sort of alleviate 
and uh, elucidate new new metabolic pathways which haven't been discovered before. Um, there was a fantastic couple of fantastic papers we did at Metabolon um, a few years ago, 2016, 2018, with the Weizmann Institute, where they did something similar, looking at the, the yo-yo diet. Um, and this is a, it's a really nice paper. It's, it's on the Metabolon, Metabolon website, if anyone wants to go and find it there. But it's a way of understanding why people who sort of go dieting and then stop dieting and then diet again actually put on more weight over time than people who sort of do a controlled diet or just have a normal, healthy, healthy diet as well. And uh, using the sort of global discovery platform, they they use this as opposed to the traditional approach, which is sort of looking at lipids and sort of looking at short chain fatty acids and uh, fat breakdown molecules. But they sort of looked at the whole global assay and uh, they they found a brand new novel pathway with um, flavonoids, uh, where basically they found a concentration dependent manner of the flavonoids. Um, I can't uh, apigenerin and there's another one as well that I can't quite remember off the top of my head. But they found a novel way of um, the flavonoid concentration dependent with the uncoupling protein for adipose tissue metabolism, uh, which is sort of what your fat is stored at. And uh, they found this out with using the, the global discovery platform. And this is a fantastic way of looking for brand new biomarkers. And this is, it's uh, maybe not the most impactful paper, but it's a fascinating study where you can actually relate this to everyday life and what you can do with just by looking at the whole picture as opposed to that traditional approach. Um, so yeah, we have a handful of studies, clinical trials, who be uh, repurposing old drugs using this sort of technology as well. Yeah, I, I think it's it, what really interests me um, about you and what you do is that you're very keen on promoting open science communication. Mm -hmm. um, you're very active in a sense where you're always sharing live webinars. And um, mm -hmm. I recall you've shared once a um, webinar where you're focusing on the gut microbiome and the yeah, gut brain yeah. axis. And I find that extremely exciting. and. Um, it brings me a lot of joy to see that you're not keeping this to like a close confined community of scientists and you're mm -hmm. sharing it with the public. Um, which, which, so if one of my listeners uh, was interested, would they be able to maybe sign up for a newsletter um, to be able to oh, absolutely, these live webinars? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Our live webinars are available to anybody. I mean, I, I post it on my LinkedIn. Uh, we've also published it on our website as well. So, I mean, if anyone wants to sign up, uh, we can always go through you and like put on a, a nice LinkedIn message to share to all your <laughs> listeners. Um, but no, we, this is one of the things, as you said, metabolomics, you didn't really know what it was um, what, a few months ago, maybe. Uh, but it's something been around for the last 20 years. And our aim is really now sort of to try and bring it to the same sort of level of understanding where genomics is. Um, if you look at the big genomics companies like Illumina, for example, mm. their marketing campaigns are fantastic and everybody knows what you can do with that platform. And now with Metabolon, it's something, I'm one of the leaders in metabolomics, you could argue. Um, it's now a case of translating that metabolomic understanding. We have a handful of specialists in-house, but making it accessible to sort of your everyday scientists and also your everyday clinician as well, and showing you where metabolomics can fit in within that entire pipeline of drug discovery or uh, clinical diagnostics or just sort of that blue skies exploratory research, which is um, highly fascinating as well. So it's, uh, yeah, our aim is to really sort of publicize it from what you can do um, and how, you, how, how metabolomics can really improve, improve every aspect of science as well as general health as well. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're starting off somewhere because now we kind of have 
a little bit of an understanding of how the importance of like metabolomics and like microbiome research and maybe we can move on from there that's like a launch pad for us but i'll definitely share a link to the the two papers that you've mentioned uh, in the show notes and then people can you know have a go at reading them um if they're interested as well um so um if we were to go back to uh you Dr. Patrick, Um, and uh, I would love to know um, exactly um, where do you see yourself in five years? No, it's a good question. Um, It's a very interesting dynamic role. Um, I mean, I thoroughly enjoy working with the company and having this this unique position where I get to work with business development, but also work with very intelligent, very promising academics um, and also some companies as well. and it's a nice aspect to be. So I don't really know if I have a fixed blueprint where I want to be. I, I mean, yeah, transitioning further up with uh, promotions is obviously a nice way to go. Um, having a, a larger, a larger area to be in control of, um, yeah, management positions as well. It's obviously nice. So, um, yeah, it's it's a fairly flexible and, and open open position. So it's uh, it's hard to say uh, where I would like to be in five years' time. But yeah. That's amazing. So um, what advice would you give then, you know, um, an early careers researcher mm-hmm. who is interested in transitioning into the, in the, into the industry? Nowadays, it's, uh, it's getting easier to do so. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, based off your own experience, um, what would you say? Based off my own experience, I would, I would say don't be scared. Um, oh. There is, a, well, I remember when I was applying, uh, and maybe to a degree panic applying after <laughs> knowing that my fellowship was not going to be further extended is a, you have to like this the, the there's a job criteria um that you have on all the jobs out there i think for my first the first one after i left academia i think i only filled maybe 70% or something uh of that of that of that profile um it wasn't quite like when I joined Metabolon where I had maybe 90%. Um, but yeah, don't be scared. Even if you don't fulfill every single aspect that they're asking for, your academic background goes a long way. I, I would I would say that for sure. Um, and sometimes when they say they want five years of experience, if, if it's a serious company, they'll definitely count a PhD or a postdoc as part of that experience as well. Um, I mean, I don't know for more of the commercially orientated business roles, maybe maybe they want something a bit more specific in terms of actual years of business development, for example. Um, but if you're going to your first venture, um, yeah, don't be scared. Um, and my recommendation is maybe if you have the ability, maybe look outside of the UK. Um, if you want to stay within science, um, the pay is slightly better within Europe or the US uh, for scientific-based roles. But if you're looking for the business development stuff, the, the UK, UK pays maybe better than Europe actually for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, yeah, just don't be scared and really don't hold back. Um, and yeah, in terms of job applications, yeah, again, like you're gonna get rejected. I think uh, I maybe had two percent uh, positive responses from my applications. Uh, but yeah, you just need one of those to, to be successful. Um, I think when I took my first job after leaving academia, I had about four or five different job offers at exactly the same time. And that was after a year of uh, desperately trying. So yeah, uh, perseverance pays off. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really not like job rejections are not really a reflection of our worth or potential, that's for no. sure. But it's more Absolutely. about like, it kind of redirects you into the path of where you're best fit to be. 
um so yeah i guess so plus if you never try how on earth would you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> and it is uh it, it is it's such a different world leaving academia and going into industry and sort of finding yeah that that you put your cv together slightly differently in uh, in industry um i would say um and there are yeah don't let your rejection uh take you as your as your job worth um there are very good companies out there looking for very talented scientists if that's what you want to do um you just need to find them and uh yeah frequently you find a lot of companies will post a job and then they already have an internal applicant who filled that um <laughs> i had that on more than one occasion where i was told so it's it's a very common thing but yeah just perseverance really pays off of course and um you know, being you're a scientist at heart, so mm -hmm. um, I to ask, who do you feel really responsible for the work you're doing at the end of the day? So why are you doing what you do exactly? Why am I doing what I do? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, as I said, I wanted, when I left industry, I wanted something where I was still involved within science to a degree. Um, but I also really liked sort of the, the business aspect and how to sort of grow research opportunities or help companies grow as well uh, in terms of developing their technology and it's a bit like a, it's a bit like a game where you have to try and put things together and match a puzzle and uh, fit all the pieces correctly so it's uh, a lot of problem solving but also because the way we work um, metabolon employs fantastic people so we do a lot of that building brand new studies and collaborations together and uh, helping PIs or companies build their research product profile from the very beginning so it's a it's a very unique job where i have the ability to still be involved within science and a lot of different a lot of different variations of science um and uh yeah and, and still still have a a nice job where i have the ability to do the, the business side of things as well so it's um yeah i i i, I don't really know how to answer that else um but it's yeah it's it's really fun um and i think when you find a job when you find a job that you really enjoy, the hours that you put into it doesn't really take it, make a difference. Uh, I mean, yeah, my work, my working hours are quite long. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you take us through a day of yours? A day of mine? Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Uh, so a lot of my days are filled with more or less back-to-back -back meetings with, with PIs or clinicians or people running clinical trials. Um, and a typical meeting, if we've sort of just introducing ourselves to them and sort of an introduction to what metabolon is what we can do a bit about their research and how we can fit our technology into their research and build literally building a study um because we are a fantastic platform for doing large-scale analysis and what we can really do is we have a lot of the in-house expertise and as, as we mentioned earlier metabolomics isn't that well known um to a degree still so we really sort of take people who are based within genomics or proteomics and show them how adding metabolomics and building that clinical application uh, to their research can really build that holistic picture of everything that's happening. Um, and then obviously between meetings, there's some internal calls. I have an application specialist who's fantastic. He's a, well, I think I can remember, he, he's had like four postdocs after his PhD and he was also a, a lecturer as well for a while and in industry. And he did the same jump as well. If you want to do a start, if you want to do an interview with him as well, I can also give you his details. <laughs> oh, that'd, be a, that'd be a complete honor. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's, he's fantastic. Um, uh, so we have a lot of internal meetings with him building these study designs and plans together. 
and then there's a, a lot of emails or calls trying to organize the the more business aspects of the the scientific work together um and then also with with the nature of the role of uh, business development you have to sometimes go out and try and find new people to do work with which can consist of uh, reading recent publications and trying to find those researchers and try and find how how we can help them accelerate their work um or we have uh, maybe sometimes depending what country we're based in we have uh, applications where we're writing for large grant fundings um which is something i thought i would have left after academia but um as i, as I said with the, the job description they want someone who had success in in getting getting grant funding so a lot of it is still that academic aspect as well and it's a very it's a very nice thing it's 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 a wonderful opportunity to really sort of be involved in the academic work as well as in the business as i keep reiterating um and yeah a lot of emails a lot of emails <laughs> and then because we're based in the us as well um that time that time difference with the scientists if i need to speak to them we have very late meetings in the uk um but no it's uh, yeah a lot of meetings a lot of emails uh, and a lot of outreach to new people and uh, sometimes i get the pleasure to talk to people like you and, and do podcasts oh it's a pleasure to have you here and i i think <laughs> you know what i what i really could get from you know this conversation is that Metalolon is very lucky to have you. Um, you <laughs> so this episode um, was meant to be uh, devoted to you and yeah. your career. And you you seem to be really passionate about the work you're doing with them. And you seem to treat it as if it's your own company. Um, yeah. And I, I really like that. You really bring a fresh perspective to the table. And um, I think that everyone should approach work that way. Um, yeah. That's a very nice view to say. I think it's something... When you work in science, um, I was very lucky to the universities that I went to and the jobs that I had afterwards, they had fantastic teams and you can't do science without teamwork. Um, so maybe that's why. Uh, and I think everybody should be appreciated for their work as well um, in terms of what they do within your team, no matter how big or how small. So, Of course. I mean, you know, when you talk about teamwork, there's a lot of collaboration in science as well. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, well, based off your experience, what factors do you really consider when assessing a potential um, collaboration? So how do you know mm. if it's feasible or not, or if it's worth uh, investing in, in a sense? Well, let's say when I was more of an academic or in my in this job or the previous job, is always sort of the end point. You need to know where you want to be with any form of collaboration and what you want to achieve with all of this. And then only when you have that end point sort of fixated, that's when you can sort of put all the extra pieces together and that's how you can then build up a nice team to allow you to do that collaboration. Um, yeah, just being really clear on where you want to be. Um, that does, that's my best advice, I think, for it. Okay, that's amazing. I'll keep, I'll keep a note of that because <laughs> um, I know that in theory and I hope I get to, you know, apply that in practice. <laughs> so, um, okay. Well, uh, before we reach the end of the episode, um, if you were to give one advice to my listeners right now, what would it be? Mm. One bit of advice to your listeners. Um, hmm. In terms of job or for academics? Uh... Um, in, terms, in terms of pursuing a fulfilling career. Ah, that's a very good question, actually. Um, so I, as I mentioned earlier, the crossroad of when I left academia, a lot of that was sort of your own personal situation. Maybe the pandemic sort of accelerated that, that thought process, but you need to sort of really 
if you can find a job which pays you well enough and then you're happy to be doing that, then that's a fantastic combination. I appreciate not everybody can do that. Um, I mean, every job has their pitfalls, um, but they also have their perks as well. So if you can find a nice balancing act where, one, you can sort of enjoy the life that you want to do, um, as well as then finding a job that may be fulfilling enough to do that as well. Um, and again, back to sort of the application process, like don't be scared um, to jump, to change ship, to to do a brand new thing. Um, if you have that academic background, uh, a PhD or a postdoc or, or fellowship or even a professorship, like people will understand the value of that. And it is a very translational skill. So don't be, don't be scared to, to change, to change direction completely. I mean, I was not a specialist in metabolomics, and now this is what I'm doing. So, <laughs> uh, you you for sure is now. You are. <laughs> you <laughs> probably know more than ninety uh, percent of the population out there. <laughs> thank you so much, Dr. Patrick, for your time. Oh, Honestly, thank you very much, Aya. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, and um, yeah, I'm highly looking forward to maybe having you again on the show to talk a yeah, little bit a about pleasure. <laughs> yeah about your the research that you currently have going on mm -hmm. at on. That would be absolutely fantastic, Aya. That'd be lovely, and for all you listeners out there, I'll provide a link to the discussed publications right down mm -hmm. in the show notes. So yeah, feel free to check them out, and if you want to support the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify, leave us a comment if you have any feedback for us, and on Apple, you can also leave a review. Uh, for us to improve the podcast experience for you. So yeah, we'll see you on the next episode right next week. Thank you for listening. And more importantly, thank you for your interest in science. Thank you. <laughs>